0: Garbage Into Gold, a Sixers podcast, is part of Philadelphia Sports Nation. They are enhancing your Philadelphia sports fan experience. Visit online at phlsportsnation.com and follow the Sixers branch of Philadelphia Sports Nation at PHL. Sixers Nation on Twitter. You can also find Garbage Into Gold on Twitter at Garbage Into Gold. Father's Day is coming and the weather is catching heat. Whether you have a dad bod or rocking six-pack, make sure you and your dad are smelling nice and shaved where it matters most make your dad proud this year and get him and yourself the manscaped lawnmower 4.0 and the refined cologne by manscaped the brand new lawnmower 4.0 and refined cologne is perfect for you and the dad in your life to complete your grooming game get 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code phl at manscaped.com after you guys have cleaned balls with the brand new lawnmower 4.0 clean up your cologne game with the refined cologne from manscaped With the same signature scent that is in all Manscaped formulas, this cologne is a perfect complement to the collection. Light, approachable, and gentlemanly in all the right ways. If the old man is smelling a little funky, this cologne is a surefire way to change that and make him the talk of the summer. Man of the house deserves to smell like a king. Whether it's a gift for you, your dad, or the men in your life, choose Manscaped. Get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code PHL. Don't forget that you came from your dad's balls this year. Show your original home some love with Manscaped. All right, everybody, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Garbage Into Gold. Lots to talk about in this uh, round one clinching episode of Garbage Into Gold. The Sixers dispose of the Washington Wizards in five games, a gentleman's sweep, uh, we'll talk about the game, Doc adjusting to uh, fill in for Joel Embiid, the play of Tyrese Maxey, uh, the Sixers' uh, round two opponent, uh, what it's going to look like with or without Embiid. We'll talk a little a little bit more about his injury as well and some, some news from Boston and uh, the Celtics front office doing a little restructuring, so we'll uh, get into that a little bit. Again, thanks for listening and enjoy this episode of Garbage Into Gold. Garbage into
1: gold. Turning garbage into gold. Joel B turning garbage into gold.
0: all right everybody welcome into another episode of garbage into gold i'm one of your hosts brandon apter feeling as good as i can after the sixers take care of the wizards in five games with an injured Joel Embiid, and i'm joined by my co-host jesse larch uh jesse how are you feeling now that we're moving on to the next round
1: Feels good. It sucks that it took five games and a near-death experience from Joel, but, you know, on to the next one, as uh, I'm sure Ben Simmons will be tweeting after this game or in- posting on Instagram, as he usually does. O-T-T-N-O. And, uh, that's what it stands for. See, learn something new every day, Brandon.
0: I think the first person I ever saw tweet that uh, from the Sixers was Rocco, actually. Oh, my boy. I think he was a Rocco guy.
1: Um, who isn't who who isn't a Rocco guy
0: Uh, I guess it depended on the night for me he was the most polarizing Sixers athlete until Ben Simmons I guess and then once he left people focused completely on Ben Simmons but hey we're not going to talk about that um, tonight because gosh he had a really good game
1: tough night for the Ben Simmons critics
0: yeah pretty tough one for guys like me but guys
1: like you
0: so the sixers take care of business uh without Embiid they win 129 to 112 they were only up 2 at uh at halftime um you know took a little time to get going without Embiid and everything washington shot really well in the first quarter uh sixers started to to play a little bit better in the second quarter and obviously got their first lead Uh, At the end of the second quarter and then, um, you know, towards end three, you know, beginning of the fourth quarter, uh, they really started to pull away. And uh, and that was kind of that. Seth Curry really stepped up. He's a guy that a lot of people have talked about that needs to step up with or without Embiid. You know, having him consistently shooting threes is a big thing, uh, a big threat for uh, Simmons and Embiid to be able to space the floor. So him scoring 30 points in Embiid's absence uh, playoff career, high 30 points, uh, is huge. Uh, Simmons, a triple-double, 19 points, 11 assists, 10 rebounds. Tobias Harris, who might I mention was suggested to be benched by Tyrone Johnson of 97.5, the Fanatic, absolutely garbage take, uh, had 28 points. And then we have Tyrese Maxey with 13 points off the bench, Um, So I guess, Jesse, just just to start off, like kind of your your overall thoughts on the game, what you like, what you may not have liked.
1: Um, Great Dwight Howard game. Great Ben Simmons game. Great Tyrese Maxey game. I feel like everyone really tried to step up and do their part, Um, I guess. I don't even want to say Shake didn't try. It's just Shake and Mike Scott got cut in the second half. But really those lineups in the first half, I was just like scratching my head. And then it all came together beautifully in the second half. They gave Tyrese Maxey the run that we've all been waiting for. And, you know, it just seemed like the team really started to click there at the end.
0: Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm not going to lie. Like first half, um, I wasn't concerned. I wouldn't use like the word concerned, uh, like I wasn't worried in the first half that like oh my god they don't look good and they're gonna not win another game this series but you know with the with the Embiid news and and us being cursed <laughs> uh, it was not it was not a great start to this one so it was nice to see them kind of get in the flow and I think uh, I I think after a pretty poorly coached game uh, by Doc Rivers in Game Four uh, he came came back and really you know, uh, through guys out there, if they played well, they stayed out there. And if they didn't, they did not stay out there. So it was nice to see Doc Rivers uh, make some adjustments. And I think one of the most shocking things that we knew, um, you know, what, what was the big question going into the game was who they were going to start in place of Joel Embiid. And I think the vast majority of the fan base was hoping that they would start Ben Simmons and and then somebody else on the wing, uh, but I'm pretty much I'm pretty sure everybody was expecting Mike Scott to start just because we've all gotten to to know some of Doc Rivers' tendencies and that just would have seemed par for the course. So um, Ben Simmons at the five uh, to start this one. Uh, were you surprised? Were you surprised by that? And and how do you think Ben did uh, holding his own down there in the post?
1: Um, I mean, I thought Ben was at his best with the drives and at the foul line. Um, it was clear that Daniel Gafford is a strong post defender, but where they really were able to take advantage with a smaller lineup is when they had the pull guys like Gafford or Lopez after the perimeter. And I saw the team not hesitate to, you know, take these guys off the dribble, attack them at the rim. And kind of just blow right past them. So, you know, missing Embiid, they kind of enacted a different game plan. It was much more attack the rim base than usually we see from the Sixers. And how many free throws did they finish with? I know in the third they were up to like 30-some free throws as a team.
0: Uh, they finished with 43, and the Wizards finished with 33. So, I mean... That, that's pretty crazy. And and the one thing before I let you continue that I wanted to say about that is that I feel like there are a lot of fine calls and a lot of no calls and, and a lot of bad calls. Obviously, when, when teams are shooting a combined 76 free throws, um, but I feel like the refs kind of at point just ruined the flow of the game a lot. With with all of these calls, like it was just too much. I was glad they got forty three foul shots, but it
1: was a lot. Yeah, and it felt like they were kind of getting to the line at will, and then it makes an even bigger difference when Simmons and Dwight Howard are both knocking down their free throws at a good clip. Um, you know, it was really clear the team focused on that after Game Four, and kind of, I mean, Ben especially really just wanted to shut up all the critics that were making a big deal about it between game four and five. Um, And I guess also made Doc Rivers look like a bit of a genius for backing him up after game four. I I just thought, like I said, it wasn't the normal Sixers game plan. Normally they just try to fill Embiid's minutes with somebody else, run the same offense, still try to rely heavily on a perimeter offense when, you have like a Ben and a Dwight down low who really shrink the floor for you. They found a way to work around not having him beat out there. And, like I think we hinted at during the season, that we didn't know what was in Doc's bag of tricks. I mean, this showed some versatility from Doc, I think, because I think it was definitely a different style of play from the Sixers tonight, and it just worked beautifully.
0: Uh, yeah, just a couple updates from post game, uh, Scott Brooks, the coach for the wizards, not sure how much longer he's going to be coaching the wizards after, after this season, um, says that Ben Simmons should be defensive player of the year. Not many guys can guard one through five and doc rivers on Ben Simmons stick with him. He's a hell of a player, but he's also human. And I think this series was really like a microcosm of like the two sides of the Ben Simmons argument. And I think uh, it's it's hard to go all one side or the other, at least for me. But I was very satisfied with how he played tonight and the the majority of the series, too. Um, And I think uh, starting him at the five was was good. There were uh, you know, I I was a big fan of how he finished and uh, got more aggressive, especially in the second half. I would have liked to have seen him get maybe like a little bit more aggressive and less passive in the first half. Uh, and maybe they could have avoided like the slow start, but that's just me like picking picking out negatives in in what was a, a phenomenal performance from him. Um, and again, like I thought, Tobias Harris. Like I feel like I didn't really notice him much, but he ends up with twenty eight points, which is which is pretty wild.
1: Yeah, and it was like a, a quiet night from Tobias, which is kind of known for that like quiet twenty, but. You know, he, he didn't really stand out to me, but he definitely had a good game. Uh, you know, it was the guys I mentioned that I felt like really stepped up when needed. Tobias has kind of just been giving us these nights, and I guess I'm beginning to take them for granted a little bit. But the games that they got from, you know, from Maxie, from Ben, and from Dwight Howard, I think were really the key for tonight.
0: Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Um yeah, I mean, why not? Why not talk about Tyrese Maxey? And we're gonna give uh, give our grades for everybody uh, in in just a little bit for this series. But it would be hard not to to focus a little bit on Tyrese Maxey, You know, a guy that was was on the outside looking in of the playoff rotation at the beginning of this series, and now he's somebody that, um, especially if Embiid is is out, you know, for a few games or you know, he's day to day. It's hard to really say. Uh, anything like that, but it's just like he he went from outside of the rotation to now a guy that could play a pivotal part in um in the playoffs for the Sixers because I don't see Shake Milton overtaking him. I mean, shakes shakes looks terrible, and Maxi on both sides of the ball has looked really really confident. Uh, went six for fourteen from the field tonight, zero for two from three, which is fine, um, but I, I mean he had six rebounds. Um, two assists a steal and he's just not afraid like it's looking at him and realizing that the Sixers have a stud and I would I would like to to make a special thank you to Mike Muscala for making that shot last year to give us the 21st overall pick Um, and thank the other 20 teams that passed on Tyrese Maxey because he's an absolute delight to watch and I can't wait to see Uh, what else he can do these playoffs and and throughout his his career. He's just such a fun player to watch.
1: Yeah, I mean, the simple way to put it is he's just a complete hooper. Like, the guy just finds a way to push the action, get the ball to the hoop, and make things happen. And uh, me and my roommate looked at the box score at one point, and I think he was like 4 for 11 from the field when we looked, and it didn't feel like that. It felt like the guy was making every single shot just because of the impact and the energy he brought. And, you know, it kind of reminds you of like, they're not the same style player, but what Marcus smart brings for the Celtics, where when he's on the floor, he's not necessarily a great stats guy, but he finds a way to inject life into the team and make the Celtics tougher to play against. And I think Tyrese Maxey definitely did that for the Sixers tonight.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, I'm genuinely in love with him. You know,
1: he's, he's just, it's okay to love another man.
0: Yeah. Um, so you and I only really talked, uh, on podcast after the first game of the series. Um, and then we're, you know, we're talking now after they win the series. So, um, overall I had the Sixers in five, obviously I had them in five, (laughs) With Embiid, all five games, and, and you know we didn't we didn't get that unfortunately due to um his his injury. But uh, I had the Sixers in five. In terms of like th- good things and what I think that they need to work on again, because we're going to talk about it in a little bit. But it looks like the Atlanta Hawks are going to be their round two opponent, um, and it's another team that likes to run with pace and another team um, that has a small guard like Brad Beal that can really light it up. Except I feel like Trey young is a little bit more dangerous from beyond the arc and just shooting those really long Steph Curry length, uh, jumpers and being able to make it. Um, so I think overall as a whole, I think the Sixers started slow a little bit defensively in most of the games, and then it kind of ramped up as the games went along. Um, but I think they've got really nice efforts from everybody. And I, I, you know, I think I was most, most impressed by you know the the few guys off the bench. I think their depth was good. Obviously Embiid was very good for the games that he played. Uh, he was a little uh, foul trouble game one, but since the second half of game one and through games two and three, you know it was, it was Joel being Joel, and um, and I and I think the big thing that they do need to work on, especially with a team like the Hawks. Um, on their round two schedule is transition defense. You know, they can't really afford to, to sag and, and get back slowly against guys like Trey young, John Collins, Clint Capella, uh, Kevin Herter, uh, any of those guys. So I think overall as a whole, the Sixers took care of business and the vast majority of their wins, um, were convincing other than game one game two, three and five were, were pretty convincing, uh, score wise at the end of the game. So, um, I feel pretty good going into this, uh, going into round two, obviously. I hope we get Embiid back, but uh, I think seeing what we saw tonight, uh, I know that the Knicks and the Hawks are both better than the fake playoff team Wizards, but I feel like I would feel confident either way that the Sixers would be able to beat them, uh, and how many games? I'll, I'll talk about that later, but um, what, what about you? Overall series takeaways, uh, some good things that you liked, and what what you may have uh, seen that they need to to work on.
1: So the biggest thing for me was tonight getting to see the team operate a different type of attack and do it efficiently. I think that kind of tells us that there's more layers to this team than we might really believe. Um, you talk about being dominant in games two and three. And a lot of that was Embiid being Embiid, but without Embiid they show that they are more than just a team that leans on their star. Which I think when you get deeper, if you know, assuming you go past the Hawks, that's gonna be vital. Is when that option's not there, how do you score the ball and how do you beat the other team? And it's the Sixers showed they have ways to do that. I think that's a huge takeaway. Um I mean the other thing is like now you have this question of do you keep riding Tyrese Maxey? Do you try to let shake it out of his funk and try to kind of get that, the guy who we thought at the start of the year would be a six man of the year candidate back, you know? So I think I don't expect doc to quit on shake, but I think Tyrese Maxey's kind of, kind of put it to bed that he needs to be on the floor more going forward.
0: Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, so why don't we go go ahead here and go through quickly go through this uh go through our grades we're just going to go through all the guys talked about some of them soon uh you can feel free to elaborate as much as you want um but why don't we start off with the coach Doc Rivers and I'll let you go first on that one
1: Uh I'll say B plus I feel like some of the rotations were a little head scratching you know I, I still don't love having an 11 man rotation in the playoffs but, you know, all in all, I think when he had to adjust and when he had to make certain decisions he did, I think he could be a little a little wiser with his challenges. He could have challenged some of the bad foul calls on Embiid that force Embiid off the floor, like when he gets to his third foul in the first half and you have to take him off when it was clearly not a foul. I think that was game two or three. Like, that probably could have been a little bit better use of his challenges. Mm-hmm. Um. But all in all, I think he did a really good job. I think you know to get the team up for this game to come out the way they didn't compete the way they did tonight without their star player. I think that's a testament to him and a, a testament to the team as well, but a testament to his ability to motivate and prepare the team. Um, so yeah, I mean, no complaints with Doc.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I'd probably go BB B plus. I think um, you, you know we're never going to see like. Paul Reed or anybody get minutes in the playoffs like this, but I just, I can't do Mike Scott minutes there. They make no sense. Uh, I know that they probably only happened in game five because Dwight Howard was, was, uh, had two fouls in the first half. um, And Tobias also had two fouls in the first half. So maybe it's protection for them. Maybe he wasn't planning to play Mike Scott at all. Um, But I think uh, I lean more towards just because of that game four you know Tyrese and furcon catching fire just for them to be yanked uh you know at the next time out when they were when they were the two guys bringing bringing them back into it and you obviously saw in game five that he left maxi out there i mean maxi was out there for the vast majority of the end of the first half he was he came in at like the end of the first quarter and subbed out maybe with like a couple minutes to go in the second. Uh, before halftime so I mean you can see that he adjusted with that and and I like that he's got going with a hot ha- hand I mean we saw Matisse Stiebel th- start um, but aside from from starting both halves really it was kind of an un, a, like a nothing of note from Matisse Stiebel so I was glad that it Doc went with a hot hand and yeah I give him a B for that all right uh, so I, he only played four games in three and a half games but uh, your grade for Joel Embiid
1: I mean Embiid, I think has to be an A. He did everything you needed him to do. You know, there's. Wish he didn't get hurt, but I'm not. That's not affecting his score. So yeah, I mean M- Embiid's Embiid.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm gonna give him an A, as well. Um, you know, you can be you can be as critical as you want uh, about him. You know, going in for a contested dunk and putting his body out to, and putting it out there to to get injured on a play like that. Uh, I think a lot of people would love if he played it safe, but he's never going to do that. It's just who who Joel Embiid is. Um, We saw him warming up prior to game five against the Wizards, which makes a lot of people think that um, we'll see him at some point this next series. Um, So hopefully we'll get to see him at some point next series. That would be really nice. But yeah, I think A, I think he built. He really built upon uh, his MVP candidate season um, in those first three and a half games. He's just a, a joy to watch. So, uh, Ben Simmons is the next one up.
1: Uh, I guess he's a B plus just because of like the foul shooting wasn't great, but. Overall, I think he had a really good series. I think he was great defensively. He filled all the gaps that were needed outside of scoring, as well as contributing some scoring of his own. I thought he had a really good series. I don't really have a problem with Ben. People made a big deal about the foul shots in Game 4. I feel like he rectified that, or at least reconciled that, and I think the rest of his play in the series was actually phenomenal.
0: Yeah. Uh apparently uh Ben Simmons at the podium uh post game said that he told Seth Curry today that he needed thirty from him while they were playing Call of Duty Warzone. So that's great. And Seth actually had thirty, so that's good too. Sure. Um yeah, I mean I'm I'm uh I'm in the B B plus range for Ben. Uh I think overall he had a really, really tremendous series. A six ten guy guarding a fast guy like Bradley Beal, it's it's a challenge. I mean, it's it's challenging. And uh, he did a great job. You know, Beal's always going to get his. I think defensively, Ben did really well. Um, and I think there's always, at least for me, the want for him to do a little bit more offensively. Uh, the free throw thing was was big in, in game four. And him being in foul trouble was also a big thing. So uh, still a lot for him to work on, especially um, not a lot. Still, Still things for him to be more consistent with. Uh, especially when Embiid is sidelined, and I think in the second half he really took control and and realized like when when he needed to take advantage of of different things, whether it was seeing that he had Ishmith or Howell Neto on him, so just to you know post them up and either find the open guy or just make the basket because you're bigger and stronger than them. So yeah, I go big uh, B B plus for Ben uh, Tobias Harris.
1: Ah. Uh... I guess I'll give that an A minus. Like I said, the quiet scoring; he was just consistent. But yeah, no, he he did everything that they needed him to do. I don't feel like the stars really let anyone down in this series.
0: Um, yeah, I think I'm gonna do. Hmm. this one's tough. This one's tough only because the uh, I guess his game four wasn't great. Given it was their one loss, so who am I to, um you know, judge him completely off of that. I'm just trying to pull off what, what, uh, pull up what he did during the series. So, uh, 37 in game one, 19 in game two, 20 in game three, 21 in game four, 28 in game five, uh, shot over 52% from the floor and 40% from beyond the arc. Uh, so again, I think like it's very quiet what he does, uh, and that's fine. And, uh, you know, that 37 point effort uh, in game one was huge when Embiid was in foul trouble. Uh, so I'm going to give I'm going to give Tobias an A minus. You know, I'll give him a pass for that. Not great game Four. everybody has a game off. And he's really just been solid, especially in the clutch for the Sixers uh, this season. Uh, Danny Green.
1: Um, I guess he'll get a B. I feel like he just did what he usually does, knocked down his shots, played some really strong defense. You know, he he filled the roles. I I don't like, I I can't think of anyone outside of shake that really like was below expectations for this whole series. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, I would probably give Danny a B B plus. Uh, and I think only, only, uh, if for you know, I would have liked to see more from him offensively in like a couple of the games. He's not like a 20 point per game scorer, but or anything, but in games two and five, you know, you only get a five point output from him. I think he held his own against Russell Westbrook and Beal when he needed to. Uh, didn't really commit any stupid fouls. You know, Danny Green's one of those guys where I feel like during the regular season, he ends up picking fouls and looking like, hey, what did I do? Uh, but he committed less than two fouls a game, which is great, especially for a defender like him. Um, but overall, I mean, he shot over 47% from three. Uh, he's really, really uh, great from from the corner, which Mark Zumov calls the greenhouse now, which I absolutely love. Uh, so, yeah, I'll give Danny a, a B+. Uh, Seth Curry is next.
1: Uh I guess with tonight he moves into that a minus for me cuz I mean you know it gives you 30 in a closeout game that, that's a huge lift again especially with Embiid's points out of the lineup.
0: Line. Yeah, yeah. Um I think I think I go again he's another he's another he's another tough one just uh line, just because you want you obviously want some more consistency from him. Um so, I mean, I think I'm going to go B with him. I think aside from... Uh, yeah, I mean, tonight was so great, so I'm going to give him a B plus. But I'd like to see the Sixers try and get him going more uh, early on in the game so he can get into a rhythm and everything like that. But uh, he only shot 31.7% from beyond the arc this series, which is not what you want to see from him. You're one of your main three-point threats, but I think... Uh, move from B to B plus with his uh, game five performance. All right. And while we go to the bench, uh, we have Matisse Theibel.
1: Uh, I'll give Matisse a B minus. I feel like his, the shooting still sucks. If he could just knock down the shots, he could probably start and give you like 30 plus minutes a night. But, you know, he did his job with the defense, got caught a couple times just with, a, I mean, against Bradley Beal, which everybody gets caught against him. So, yeah, I mean, again, nothing disappointing. Just, you know, did what he's done for us all year.
0: Yeah, Uh, and I agree with you there. I'm going to go B. Uh, You know, did his defensive things. I don't think that he was as good as he was during the regular season. Um, I thought he committed some not-so-great fouls. Especially in Game 5, he uh, had four fouls, which kind of kept him uh, sidelined for a little bit. It was nice to see him hit down some threes, uh, especially over the last two games. He hit three threes in eight attempts. Um, so, I mean, for him, I think you just got to keep shooting. It helps uh, space the floor for the rest of the guys. So uh, we can just run through the next uh, few guys. We have Dwight Howard next. Uh, B+. Plus. I'm going to go B because I think uh, I think tonight was... I think game five was one of his only good games. I don't think he was great the rest of the season, so I'm going to go B- minus with, with Dwight. Shake Milton.
1: Uh, D. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm going to go F on Shake. I don't really think that he did much of anything well, uh, so I'm going to go F, and it's, it's a real shame that it had to happen this way. Uh, hopefully he bounces out of it and gets an opportunity to play next season, but... Um, I'd be surprised if he's in a regular rotation as the playoffs um, continue to progress for the Sixers. All right. Tyrese Maxey. B plus. Uh, I'm going to give Tyrese an A. Hard not to. Didn't expect him to play much at all. And I think he did uh, everything that he could have done and more. Um, You know, shoot, shoot a couple more threes, Tyrese, if you, if you want to, but uh once he start getting once he starts getting those calls on his drives to the rim, uh gosh, he's gonna be even more dangerous. I mean he had some he had some um drives right past Robin Lopez and, and getting layups over Lopez too that were just super impressive. So I'm gonna give him an A. Furcon Corkmaz.
1: Uh C. Yeah.
0: I'm gonna go C too. I think uh him getting injured uh towards the end of the season kind of played to his disadvantage. And uh, unfortunately, like he hit some, I think he finished with 10 points in game five uh, and hit some really big threes as they were starting to expand the lead. But uh, yeah, I think C is, is, is a good one. George Hill.
1: Uh, I guess I'll say B minus on him. All right. Yeah. I'm going go to, I, I liked his play. I just, he wasn't like a, a difference maker, but his, his, the his, added his ball handling and, just his veteran presence. You can feel it out there. It's He needs to be on the floor. But yeah. it's not the same as, you know, when a maxi or thigh will come out and actually kind of shift the tide of the game.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to give him a B, B two. You know, he had 11 points in the first game, 14 points in their game four loss. Um, but from him, I just want to see some more three-point shooting. Uh, again, two attempts per game for a guy like him i think is too few um you know i want to see more like five or six i know he's not one of the primary offensive options especially now with maxi uh playing like he is in the second unit but um would like to see him shoot more from long range and the last one just for the good of the order mike scott
1: f uh, i don't know. it hurts to do that but like <laughs> i don't even remember his minutes like
0: yeah um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to give him a D. I'm going to give him a will give him the benefit of the doubt. You know, he goes out there and he plays hard. That's, that's really it. I'm not saying that he has any good basketball skills at this point in his career. I'm not good at basketball. So who am I to judge? But, uh, you know, he goes out there and he's outmatched by guys that he's playing with. Yeah. Playing him at center is at a position. So, um, yeah, D. Um, Okay. So, um, before we talk about round two, I'm going to take a quick pause to talk about anchor. All right. Um, so the Sixers will officially start their second round playoff series on Sunday. I'm trying to think of what the date is Sunday, June the 6th, no time for it yet, but the Atlanta Hawks, uh, defeated the New York Knicks in five games. Uh, Finished the Knicks off uh, in Madison Square Garden tonight. Trey Young, just an absolutely tremendous series from the uh, Atlanta Star, who I feel like early in his career is getting some, like, Devin Booker treatment, if I will. And I'm not saying that he's better than Devin Booker, because he's not. Um but I do think that his talent is being overlooked because of the team that he is on and, um, uh, having, having been able to see him in person a lot, um, working for the Hawks game day and everything this past year or two. Uh, I mean, he's, he's just a super fun player to watch averaging 29.2 points per game in five playoff games, uh, shooting just a hair under 36% from beyond the arc. He shoots around eight per game. Um, And yeah, uh, averages almost 10 assists per game as well. Uh, And he is a Curry type guard. You know, he he can hit the floaters. He can um, hit them really, really far from three and uh, has the ability to, to hurt you in, in a lot of different ways. So, Right now, I mean, the next thing we're going to talk about after this is the Embiid injury. But I guess going into this series, assuming Embiid is out for, uh, you know, the first few games, what is your confidence level that the Sixers will be able to take care of business without him against the Hawks?
1: I think it'll be pretty even. I think they'll still win. Um, I expect Ben and Matisse to combine to kind of eliminate a lot of Trey Young's offense. I think they can overwhelm him with overwhelm him with their length. So I'm not I mean, this might be like famous last words, but I'm not really intimidated by Trey Young. I think the way he plays is a style that isn't unfamiliar to Ben or Matisse to know how to defend it. Mm-hmm. And then I I feel okay if you're asking John Collins and company to beat you. Um, and I feel like that's a situation the Sixers might put the Hawks in.
0: Yeah. Um, I I feel like I I would put myself at like semi-confident. Again, we don't know with Embiid being day-to-day, like how much he's going to miss, if he's going to miss any at all. Like we, we don't know. Um, so looking at like their starting lineup with Bogdanovich, Trey, Clint Capella, DeAndre Hunter and John Collins, it's it's a unique way to try and match people up against other guys uh, just because of how, you know, the different sizes. So it's just like if, if the Sixers are without Embiid and you see them go with a similar lineup to what they were tonight, um, I would imagine that you'd probably end up putting um, Matisse on Trey Young to start because I don't think Simmons... I mean, you, I don't think that you can put Tobias Harris or Danny Green on uh, a rolling big man like Clint Capella. Um, and then I think you can easily, you know, put Tobias on John Collins and, you know, stick stick um, Curry on, on Hunter or Bogdanovich or Green on one of those two guys. So I'm not too worried about that. I think you, depending on the matchup, I think you have to go with Matisse to start, would you would you agree with that, or do you think that they should go more shooting because Atlanta's kind of a, uh, you know, one of those like pace and and score a lot of points
1: teams. Um, I mean, I think it'll probably be a play it by year if Embiid's still out. So, I would say run the same lineup that you did tonight. But yeah, they're going to have to be flexible, especially if Embiid's out.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just so I'd say my confidence level without Embiid over the first couple of games would probably be six or seven, maybe. I'll go seven. Um, Sixers, two and one against them this season. Uh, they lost the first matchup against them and then won the last two, which was a um, two-in-a-row, like a two-game series against them. Embiid, not great against them this season, but the reason because of that is that he just didn't play a whole lot of minutes in their blowouts against them in the last two games of their season. So um, I guess, again, it's hard to make a prediction knowing what we know uh, with, without Embiid. uh, But what would you say Sixers Hawks, how many games, who, who wins it?
1: Without Embiid, I'll say Sixers and six.
0: Yeah, I, I think I'm gonna have to go. I think I'm gonna have to go the same. If they're without Embiid or without Embiid for a couple of the games, I think, I think, I go Sixers in six. If they're without him for the entire series, I do think Atlanta is one of those teams that could push them to seven. Uh, but after again seeing how they played against the Wizards tonight against Beal, uh, you know Westbrook was hitting shots too. Uh, he looked good. Um, so I think the Sixers have the defensive ability to kind of uh, stop the Hawks in their track. The Knicks aren't an amazing defensive team comparatively to the Sixers in my opinion. So, um, yeah. So again, round 2 we'll start on Sunday. Um, and then, uh, I guess the, the only other big thing that we have to talk about is the Joel Embiid injury. I feel like I really buried the lead waiting this long to talk about it, but you know, we saw him warm up, uh, Prior to the game, he was officially diagnosed with a small lateral tear of the meniscus listed as day to day. Um, You know, seeing a lot of doctors and physical therapists uh, post about this is that uh, from what they gather, it's not an acute tear because that would be something where it's a new tear in his leg. uh, And he would almost definitely not be out there warming up if he had an acute tear of his meniscus. So uh, from what from all of the information that I gathered from uh, people that are licensed doctors or physicians on Twitter um, is that uh, the tear that he has in his knee may have already been there, but those small tears are, you know, sometimes not even known until there's imaging done. So a lot of the times that can be alleviated with physical therapy. You know, I talked to one of my athletic training friends who said that, uh, you know, Long term, obviously, you eventually want to get surgery on it. But if it's uh, if it's all about pain management, and depending on how much he might be, um, how much he's able to do and, and move around, how much uh, how much it restricts him, so they'll have to really uh, kind of monitor that and see how he can move on it. Um, but I guess uh, going into the playoffs, we assumed Embiid would be healthy for the majority of it. Um, so for you, does the outlook change at all? I I kind of forget what you thought they were going to, like where they were going to get to. Um, I don't think we did like a full playoff series. Who's going to beat who thing. Um, so how does the outlook change for you now with him kind of unknown status?
1: I mean, he's contingent on them getting to the finals. So yeah, if they don't have him, it's might as well just like pack it in. I don't want to say packing in, but I don't think they're going to be able to beat the Bucks or the Nets without him.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. I'm um, again. I, I'm pretty confident that we'd be able to take care of the Hawks without him uh, in six games or seven games. But um, Hawks or or the the Bucks or the Nets, I, I definitely don't think that they would be able to get past either of them uh, without beat Like, it's just not. Just not something that's that's going to happen. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think like the time waiting to hear on that injury was was like really, really, really tough. I mean, I didn't have sleep a a sleepless night or anything, but it's nice to see that he's day to day. And um, I don't know about you, but I feel like a little bit more confident in the Sixers medical staff this year. I feel like we're kind of in a new regime. So I'm going to I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, maybe, and trust that He's actually dead today, even though four years ago when Embiid tore his meniscus, he was also diagnosed with a small lateral tear, and we know what happened that year. Hopefully, that does not happen this year. Um, all right, and then the last thing before we close, uh, some non-Sixers-related news. It was pretty shocking. You and I were uh, texting about it earlier today, um, but Danny Ainge After a long tenure as the president of basketball operations, uh, stepping down after all of those almost trades, he is officially stepping down as the president of basketball ops for the Celtics. And he will be replaced by not a regular front office executive with experience, but uh, he will be replaced by now former head coach Brad Stevens. So looking at Boston, they get eliminated in five games from the Nets. Obviously, they didn't have Jalen Brown. Uh, the Kemba Walker uh, deal, you know, hit or miss on that, you, you don't really know. But it kind of looks like the Celtics are kind of a team that could make some franchise-altering moves this offseason. So, so I guess in your eyes, I know this is a Sixers podcast, but what are your thoughts on, on Ainge stepping down and, and where the Celtics go from here?
1: I think the Celtics have been going nowhere fast for the past three or four seasons. Um, I mean, they've had all this draft capital and failed to cash it in on anything, and they just keep drafting the same position over and over and over every single year. Um, I think I finally caught up to them, and I think this is kind of one of those moves where they're letting Danny Ainge save face after promising so much and accomplishing so little. Um, so I understand moving Ainge up in the organization. I don't understand what Brad Stevens did to become the president of personnel or whatever his new title is.
0: Yeah. Um, if anything, I'm I'm kinda sad that Danny Ainge is stepping down because I feel like he always again like made drafted the same positions and everything like that. You know, he certainly hit on on uh, some guys as well, and I think he'll be most known for that trade with the Nets, uh, to get rid of Kevin Garnett and, and Paul Pierce and, and really kind of uh, get them in a position to to draft Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum and get to Kyrie Irving, even though that didn't really work out for, for them in the long run. But yeah, I think the Celtics as good as Tatum is because he's a, a really, really good player. Brown has improved a lot, so they have good, two good pieces, but around that, I'm not sure what they have. You know, Kemba Walker is a good player, but is he the right guy to, to have around those two guys? You just don't know. Um, and, Aside from that, like, they have some, you know, like, Peyton Pritchard is okay. Like, they they don't have, like, a super deep roster to where um, they're going to be a championship contending team in the next few years uh, ba- based on what I'm seeing now. And, um, and I guess the only thing is I wish uh, Danny Ainge never would have traded with Brian Colangelo for for Markel Fultz. So maybe we would have gotten Jason Tatum, but
1: I'll blame that more
0: so on, on
1: Brian Colangelo. So we would have drafted like Josh Jackson or something.
0: You're right. Is anybody like that you'd be interested in seeing coach the Celtics?
1: That I want to coach the Celtics? Yeah,
0: like what would be interesting to you other than Brett Brown, which would
1: be super interesting. Um I mean, I'd like them to not hire a coach that I think's good. I don't have any on the top of my head that I feel that way about. Um, I mean, I don't think Jason Kidd's a great coach. I saw he, you sent me; he was connected to the job already, so I guess I wouldn't mind that. If they get Lloyd Pierce, I think they'll be in a good spot because I do like Lloyd Pierce as a coach. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah,
0: I think uh, I think they're coaching. Uh, I, I I think we saw Jason Kidd and, and Lloyd Pierce were two names kind of thrown out there by Yahoo Sports. I think they're going to interview one of their assistant coaches as well, but I think they're going to be a team where you'll kind of see where they're headed, um, you know, future wise, franchise wise based on what they do with their coach. I think if they get a Lloyd Pierce, I think maybe the player development is what they're going to focus on, you know, getting some new young guys in there, not that they're an old team or anything and trying to develop guys, you know, I like Lloyd Pierce too, but I'm not sure, you know, him bringing the Celtics to, uh, you know, a top 4 seed in the East is is a realistic thing and then Jason Kidd, I mean, who knows? He's been an assistant coach ever since his failed coaching gigs, so you just don't know. Um be interesting to see if if they go uh somebody like Brad Stevens and dip into the college uh, college pool for that. So We'll have to see. Uh, Coach K did retire from Duke, so maybe that. Who knows? Who knows?
1: Yeah, I I don't think he's leaving Duke to go to the NBA.
0: Yeah, I don't think so either. All right, well, uh, that'll uh, about wrap things up for us here on this uh, episode of Garbage Into Gold. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll probably be with you, uh, if I had to guess, probably after Game 2 of the Hawks-Sixers series. Uh, So middle of next week, depending on when you're listening to this, is when we will chat with you next. Again, thanks for tuning in. Jesse, I'll see you next time.
1: See you later, bud.